Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, we are rolling. And uh, get this. One get fucking this. take. One take. Like we're gonna okay. 1917 this. All right. Whenever you're ready. <clears throat> um, oh, another thing is we should get better about like. <laughs> you watched it wrong. Flashback. One year ago, Wade and Siggy, that's me and you, Wade, watched the Oscars. And we sat down afterwards to talk about those Oscars, the broadcast, the nominations and prizes, where we agreed and where we disagreed, and really recapping an entire year of movies. And that recording session went on for a mind-boggling nine hours. It was a chaotic mess. We alternated between fits of uncontrollable laughter and whining that we just wanted to spread joy and laughter, but nobody will listen. It was an incoherent mess that took so much editing and production work to salvage that we couldn't put it out until over a month later. What kind of man makes a Skype call like that? And now here we are, one year later, you can tell because of the change in cinematography, about to repeat history to continue this doomed campaign in thrall of our fanatical devotion to a morally corrupt product of our imagination, Hollywood. You're out there, Wade, on the roof with your shirt off. I'm here in my basement with my spotty Wi-Fi and my pet rock. It's very metaphorical. And once again, we're about to traverse, traverse the treacherous no man's land between two minds. Is it conceivable? that we could accomplish this mission in a single uninterrupted take? Will we be able to have just a nice free-flowing conversation like two old friends who've been doing this for 25 years? Or is recording a conversation for a podcast like being a parent with a home inspector watching you? It's impossible to do it naturally. We're in a race to get this episode out before everybody stops caring about this year's Oscars altogether. All those big-time podcasts have already released their Oscar recaps. We're coming out of the pits already behind the field. In order to do this, we're going to need the perfect lap. So let's go like hell. Let's dance our freedom. Sick the dogs and be alive as we commit ourselves here to our one true love, the movies. Because thankfully, you watched it wrong is not a commercial proposition. So, Wade, here we are. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing fine. All oh, I have to great. say is up, 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 up. <laughs> oh, yes. We're For the Oscars. Not nearly, not nearly. We're not nearly. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, yeah. More mic time. I, I felt the lights go out, and I just I wanted to make sure that everyone was still there. How was your Oscar 2020? It was really good. I, um, I had a good movie. I saw more movies, more 2019 movies than of any other year uh, this decade, I really, thanks to, I think this podcast and really you and your weighties, your exhaustive <laughs> list of movies last year My really weighties, inspired me to carnies. Okay. Carnies, the weighties. I'll take the weighties. I'll take it. Uh, really pushed myself to prepare for this very recording session. I've been very excited about what we're doing right now mm. for quite a while. So I had, I had a good year. How about you? Quick I impressions. Did, I did too. The movie I, year, the, the Oscars podcast, everything. I thought it was a really good year for movies. I really did. Um, I actually thought that this year I'd probably seen more, but actually, no, 2018, I saw a whopping 78 
Yikes. Uh, as opposed to this year's uh, 56. So I'm kind of behind the ball. But there's still so much more I actually want to see that I've not been able to get to. I know. Me too. And you're way, way on top of my balls. So... <laughs> Shall we begin? The governor's balls, you mean, you're referring to. Yeah, I, I haven't been to any of those. Now, where the technical prizes are awarded. All week long, <laughs> all week long, I've walked, um, I've been taking public transit to work. My route actually takes me right past the Kodak Theater. Actually, I take it back, right under the Kodak Theater, and then I come up. So I've been watching them set up the Oscars uh, all week. They've had Hollywood blocked off. But last night, oddly, I had to work Oscar Sunday which very inconvenient for this podcast, but I was coming home while it was still going on and I, they had the whole place blocked off. So I couldn't even get anywhere near it. And I'm like, but I'm doing a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Did you bring your credentials? Did you have your, (laughs) I had my YWIW badge on our our shitty little logo. (laughs) I made in five minutes in Photoshop. (laughs) Now that is no problem. The shame is we haven't done anything to update it <laughs> in the two years since. Um, the logo's we're fun. Prioritizing. We're right. prioritizing in quality audio content. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's not, they don't turn in to stare at the... This isn't Super Ego. It's not an enhanced podcast. So, you know. God, how I wish we were Super Ego. Anyway. <laughs> Back to Oscars. Um, I was very excited about this year because I... Despite the fact of that there weren't wasn't a lot of diversity in the nominees, which I do view as a problem, it was still hard for me not to be excited because with with only a couple of exceptions, pretty much all the movies I was very very passionate about were nominated. Most and most most of the best picture, like all only two of the best picture nominees, uh, I didn't think needed to be there which is rare for me in an Oscar mm-hmm. season. Like, basically, all my favorite movies were nominated. I agree. I thought it was a very strong field. I had five movies I would have been happy with, any of those five winning Best Picture this year. Exactly. Which, me too. And in, and under the old rules, that could have been the entire the entire field. So now, that's pretty great. We all know, uh, since you're listening to this after the fact, that Parasite had a huge night. And I am tremendously happy. I mean, I, I was thinking about it going, this is my favorite filmmaker, winning everything and i was just i was elated i do think that probably in the most just of all worlds i think little women deserve to get a lot more than it got but we yeah i agree yeah i'm gonna talk a lot about that during the during this episode we'll talk a lot about that for sure but i could not help but be so excited that parasite made history not only being the first uh, the uh, the se- only this first foreign language film non English uh, film, film to win best picture mm-hmm. the yeah. only the second director to win direct uh, directing for a non English film and Ooh, what was the other one I don't know I just know that it was only the second one I I, I, mm. I couldn't didn't, I read that in a recap and I have not been able they didn't put a link to it so I don't know what that was um, but. Also, has there ever been a movie that won both the previously named best foreign language film and best picture? I don't know. I we don't think Roma that's... might do it last year. And yeah, it didn't and it pull didn't. it off. But this time, excuse me, did which in a way I kind of am like, well, then you should have. 
then the Academy should have all said, we're doing Parasite, right? So let's give Pain and Glory the other one. If but, they don't caucus like that. Exactly. But at the same time, if it's the best in that category, it's the best in that category. That's right. Right? It so weird if it didn't win. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so what? It's kind of like if it, like, there was a year, a couple of years ago, and I'm trying to remember which one it was, where I thought the best, the movie in the best animated feature category was the best picture of the year and should have been in the best picture category. And then ah, I don't, I don't Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Oh, yes, yes. And, but there was one other one where it was like, maybe it was Inside Out or whatever, where it was like, it didn't even win. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and How to Train Your Dragon as well. But like, I was going, like, it didn't even win its own category. Anyhow. Well, can um, I confess? I had bittersweet feelings about Parasite. Yeah. The Big Night, because we, our most recent episode we just put out a week ago. Hmm. We both talk about how great it is, but then we pick it apart and say, yeah. well, here's the problems we have with it. <laughs> well, it's not actually that uh, so much a masterpiece. <laughs> well, you, I, you know, as you put on your uh, posted recently, you had posted a, a, a kind of a breakdown of all the movies you saw this year. And it's a great list. <sighs> and you put on there to you separate them out to the masterpieces and then the so really great there you go blowing you're stepping on my bit again okay i won't do <laughs> it i won't I, okay i won't do it i was just gonna say <laughs> i was just gonna say parasite is a great film but yeah i don't know if i'd call it a masterpiece i think it's one of the smartest made movies out there deserving of everything it's getting but there were a couple other movies that i will go name names unmentioned because i think i believe i feel the exact same way that were legitimate masterpieces so, um, so yeah, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get, get into, into that. that. We'll cover what those are. My other um, uh, uh, bittersweet feeling about Parasite winning is that you know it might drive more clicks to that episode, and it's not one of our best. I wish we were so, <laughs> yeah. we're so low energy by the end of that episode because it was one of our one of our many late night sessions. Yeah. Well, Siggy, you keep saying that I shouldn't be so uh, cutty with the editing that I should not cut out so much. But I cut out 50 minutes of ums and ahs and pauses. So that, that thank, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. could have taken out a lot more and probably should have. <laughs> <sighs> okay. But that was of podcast pasts. So let's talk about the, the, the more hot takes. Television past. Television past. Um, Last night, in fact. I didn't miss the, the host list Oscars. I didn't miss having a host. We get to see more celebrities. We get to see more people. But it does feel weird, as pointed out by the star of 1917, that he's there to introduce the person who's going to introduce the next person. Yeah, just like <laughs> needing to work more people in. Didn't, yeah. It wasn't really so great. There were a couple of ingenues there, or like younger uh, celebrities, that felt like they needed to justify or at least acknowledge the craziness that they were there. You know, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm here. And like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we can. So if I knew, <laughs> if I knew who you were, maybe yeah. I would. But it happens uh, every it ha- year. <laughs> there are always people there. <laughs> um, I'm glad I finally know how to pronounce um, Zazie Pete's name. Although I think it got said two different ways. And I finally oh. realized, um, see, I was just afraid I was going to say it wrong. Zazie Beats. Who's that? She's uh, Domino in Deadpool 2 and in Joker. She's, um, oh, I can't remember her name. And she's... Um, she's uh, his neighbor, the 
But who, who was she last night? When did we see her in the Oscars? She introduced the uh, conductor, and she was interviewed by Ryan Seacrest oh, earlier in the day. Uh, yeah, Joker's uh, imaginary girlfriend. Right, exactly. Right, right, right. Also, I realize I've been saying my favorite director's name wrong all this time. It's Pong. It's Pong. Because as I, you know, as I said in the Parasite contest, uh, contest in the Parasite episode, um, we kept saying the Park family, but it's not pronounced Park. It's pronounced Bake. Uh, bake. Something like that. I can't even say it. It's just not part. So you pronounced it wrong with Wade I, and Siggy. <laughs> exactly. But at least I like to think that as a good citizen of the world, I acknowledge when I say it wrong <laughs> and not say, yeah, that's your name. <laughs> well, we are just, everybody, we're just doing the best we can. We're, this is not out of disrespect. It's just nope. out of ignorance. So but please forgive us. I want that, I, but I have the willingness to not be ignorant anymore if instructed otherwise, right? Sure, but I'm going to need constant reminding. <laughs> exactly. It's not from one of lack of wanting to know. It's just lack of being able to retain. Well, muscle memory of best intentions and yet uh, kind of flubbing up the execution. That cold open. Yeah. Cold open. Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. It's uh-huh. his house. Janelle Monet comes in, one national treasure yeah. in the place of another. Exactly. Goes over to a coat rack. <laughs> to hang up her jacket or vest and get the sweater. Yeah. What the? Why was there a coat rack? Right. There's a, they did the closet door. They had the closet they door the over there. To make the closet door open. Right. <laughs> so that I won't stick a coat rack up there. Like, if you're going to bother to get the curtains right. right, get the closet right. The only thing that makes any sense in my mind with that, they knew that the button on her shirt would be a problem. Like, it happened every time. And instead of changing the shirt... It sure was. As soon, instead of changing the shirt, they said, well, she can't open the closet door and put on the sweater and fix her, her shirt from opening up to the public. So, I guess we'll oh. just put a coat rack there. <laughs> I don't know. She handled Whatever it well. Tried, it didn't work. She handled it well. She came out and acted like it was part of the zipping up the sweater. I was like very impressed. Oh, Consummate I, performer. I, but I why was there I'm a coat sorry, rack? There was nothing smooth about it, though. <laughs> it was, it well, was totally awkward. And it was jarring the way it just suddenly, here we are. Like there was no, that whole uh, performance um, took me a while to get into. Uh, I have to admit. But I was really, in, in, th- my, in my brain, I was going, we need this focus on Fred Rogers now, more than ever. We need the focus on his life, his work, and the fact that he, to be who he was, he worked at it. And like, we really needed that. And so I thought, even if there wasn't a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood movie that came out this year, I think we still should have opened with Mr. Rogers. <laughs> We should do it every year. Every, we should every do year, it, it should every just be... year. Exactly. But it, so, so I was in my mind struggling with, one, how much we need this, and two, is this disingenuous? You know? Oh, it felt, felt, felt totally heartfelt to me. I, I don't know. Yeah. That never... Did it really feel disingenuous? A little. Like it was a little. A, yeah. a little bit. Uh, and and it, that or was only trading cement. on the goodwill that he'd earned... Well, no, I, it, it, 
I guess because I was thinking too much about the button, about the coat rack, about the fact that there this is a uh, nominated movie, um, it was warring in my mind with the we really need to honor this. We need to honor the mentality and the work of Fred Rogers, and uh, now more than ever. And so, um, in fact, that's one of the things about the movie that I think I had such a strong reaction to because this is so needed now. Um, and so, but, and then when the dancers came out and I saw people dressed as Joker, I was like, Ugh. it felt even <laughs> more disingenuous. But I have to say, I turned around uh, due to the, the na- how great a performer she was. I turned around when I started seeing Dolomite. I think it was the Dolomite dancers that turned me around. And then I started thinking, oh, all these dancers are movies that have didn't get nominated, with the exception of Joker and 1917. They had um, Dolomite, Midsum- Midsummer dances. Uh, yeah, that was dancers, cool. And something else. Uh, Us was in there. They had costumes oh, of Us. That. And I think One Child Nation, I'm not sure. There was a couple I didn't recognize, and I, I think I saw something that looked like the, the, the poster for One Child Nation. And um, I thought, and then I noticed a theme throughout the night, what with the hosts, with the presenters and other elements. They were making a big effort to give notice uh, and mention to the movies that were not nominated at all. And... Then I started going, is that disingenuous? Is that, is that an honor or is it not? But ultimately I had to say, yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, it try, it's, to be more inclusive is still good. I thought it was one of the, the themes of the night is that the, the writer's staff mm-hmm. had a voice that was distinct from the Academy itself <laughs> and was commenting on the Academy. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't trying to speak with the... It wasn't like the hand of the king. It wasn't trying to speak with the academy's voice. It was. It was, it was, it was offering no, commentary no. on yeah, the it going, the entire time. It wasn't going. Yeah, yeah. We're don't worry. We're cool. <laughs> yeah, they were more like the court jester. They're more like the fool than yeah. the than the house organ. Which I, I, you know, it did seem. It it did wonder. Uh, it did have these weird, awkward moments that did feel maybe disingenuous or. Uh, 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 shockingly faint praise or half-ass <laughs> attempt to, to paper over a problem. But I was happy, despite it might being exactly what you just said. Here in Los Angeles, the, the homeless situation has exploded. I mean, it is, yeah. it is heartbreaking and devastating. And it's, it's, it's something that, you know, you talk to people and they're like, yeah, it's just, you know, there's so much drugs out there. There's so much gr- drugs and mental illness. And then you go, it can't be all that people there's no way it can be this what we're seeing now what i what i pass every day just leaving my apartment it's economic hardship it's not yeah. all drugs and because people say it's drugs so they can not feel bad for them and the, oh, they, they're doing know, it to pressures the, of the real estate market yeah they're doing it to themselves yeah, guys they're doing yeah. it to themselves and it's like it's like no i mean people you know it's not they say unemployment rate, unemployment's down, but that's because everyone's working two, three jobs and they still can't make it. So I'm, I'm glad the joke was the truth of dismissal. 
when he goes, I, I am passing all the, you know, the homeless population here in L.A. Well, thanks, Chris. This is a great night. <laughs> so you could say that the joke itself was a dismissal of the homeless, but I think the joke was about the dismissal of the homeless. So, um, but regardless, the, 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 the uh, problem was called attention to. So I appreciated that. So what did you think of the uh, bringing back two former MCs? It's being and a, a little, little uh, comedy team. I thought it was kind of cool. It was nice. Um, I liked it. I I was wondering if we're going to keep seeing that. Are we going to see like them trot out more, more blasts from the past like that? Well, they did music wise. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly did. I mean, Janelle Monae started off with uh, d- doing uh, "Come Alive" instead of something off of her latest album, which was a big hit from last year. Doing one from 2010's "The Arc Android," my pick. For best uh, album of the decade, by the right, way. Right, right. But it was kind of weird to see a, a decade-old song be the one that was featured. But then we would we would get more of that later. So we'll get back to that. There was a lot um, of things in this that were decades old, <laughs> but yes. uh, but I appreciated that. Um, so see Martin Chris Rock doing a Jeff Be- Bezos is rich <laughs> joke. Several Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos is rich joke and powerful. One that was, that was a good bit. I thought those those really landed. The Brad Pitt is handsome joke. I'm like, okay, is this this year's Christopher, Christopher Plummer <laughs> is old joke? Like, are we going to keep getting references to how handsome Brad Pitt is? And several to him working on the roof with his shirt off. There was, yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That was it. That we got out yeah. of that. And right we into. Got, I'm sure they'll appreciate that as a comment. Well, we got out of that bit. <laughs> Yes. No, they they were. The it was nice to see them both. Them, I'm sure. Then we get right into best supporting actor, presented by Regina King in a lovely pink glittered asymmetrical gown. Asymmetrical gowns. Yeah. That was the emerging trend last year. I thought it was the dominant fashion trend this year. The oh, asymmetrical yeah, yeah, yeah. gowns on the ladies, and uh, extremely conservative, all black, tuxes and suits on the men. Yeah, with the, the all black look was the dominant. With the uh, expected tradition of Elton John not being in all black, but then if I may jump ahead, no. the o- <laughs> the o- well you're supposed to save that for when we get there. Okay, but I'll just say you can think about it. There's only there's one man's outfit that made me go, what the fuck? <laughs> we'll get to that later, I guess. Thank you, thank you. We will. <laughs> We're talking fashion. It was on point. <laughs> okay. Best, okay. Best supporting actor. <laughs> Brad Pitt. Okay. So the Give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts on this category. Between Pitt, Pacino, Pesci, Hopkins, and Hanks? Holy shit. There's not a newcomer in that whole bunch. Only the stalwarts of the industry. Um, no. Do you think anyone was in this category that shouldn't have been? Do you think there's anybody that no. was snubbed? Oh, there's lots of people that were snubbed. Well, but, well you can't but, be snubbed unless you bump somebody out. Exactly. You can only so, have five. I'll say there are lots of people who deserved it who didn't get nominated. But these five, um, here's the thing. I just recently saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. and I have not. I, one in this I have not seen. I did have a kind of a war in my head watching it about the movie is makes some very, very bold choices that don't feel like bold choices. And that both works to its, the movie's credit and its detriment. And I was never comfortable with Tom Hanks' casting in it before I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Just because I, you know, he seems to be cast because he's already has that built-in cachet of being wholesome and 
and lovable, lovable and, yeah. and we can trust him, right? Yeah. And, but then I started thinking anybody would have because because the thing is is it risked because Tom Hanks is acting as Fred Rogers. It made me concerned that that you know because he's acting, it makes us think, oh well, there is but is Fred Rogers himself an act? And that's what the movie has a lot of things it's asking because the journalist thinks it has to be an act. No one could be this good. And, right. and the movie is great about showing that he, it is a choice, that he works at it, that it's something he works at doing. Got a tip on the tightrope. Exactly. Name. Yeah, exactly. And so, and that his wife, you know, says he's, you know, he, she doesn't resent the word saint because it makes it seem like what he is is unachievable. And uh, he works very hard at it. And, 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 um, and, but I've not been able to shake this movie. And I've come to realize that all the things that I was wondering was, may not have been the, the best choices to do or things I wish were different are actually things that are making it so compelling and, and mesmerizing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, has, it started on my list lo- uh, like in the high 20s and has slowly crept up into my top 10 because I've Whoa. watched it repeatedly. I, I can't stop thinking about that movie. And Tom Hanks is beautiful in it. Anthony Hopkins, we, we joke about a lot about Anthony Hopkins just kind of not giving a shit anymore and phoning it <laughs> yeah. in. And his, his movie choices have shown that of late. But here, I thought he was exceptional. And I, th- I liked him a lot in The Two Popes. Yeah. I, I did. Yeah, I agree. He had some of the best lines of the movie, too. My, my, my absolute favorite, I think, in, the, in, in a movie filled with them, in, um, with both characters. Price probably had better moments, but he had better lines. Where he was, My favorite being after uh, Pope Francis tells him, or, or you know, I guess Father, uh, tells him a uh, joke. And it takes <laughs> yes. him a while to get it. <laughs> You know, yeah. and then and then and then he still doesn't get it. Yeah, and he still doesn't get it. You don't. You can't. You can't smoke and pray, and like and like he. <laughs> right. You know, and he's still. He's still. I. I've been in that situation so many times, and then he says, "Um, I like having company." Even though he's a guy who eats alone, I like having company. The Pope Francis says something about the about the presence of God. You're never. You're not alone. He goes, "Well, I know he's always there, but he doesn't laugh." At least I don't hear him laughing. And that was so powerful to me. And he did it so well. You could tell, you know, I was like going, oh, I give him the Oscar for that. <laughs> I'll take that. That was beautiful. Um, Pacino. What did you think of Pacino in The Irishman? That's, that's, that's the one I would bump from this category. Now, I have to, I can only judge this as a field of four because I haven't seen a beautiful day in the neighborhood. So I can't judge on that. Although my mind did revolt at the fact at the idea of somebody playing Mr. Rogers. Mm. I'm very protective of yeah. Fred Rogers. That's how, and... that's, that's the better. See, you always say what I think better than I do. <laughs> I'm just listening to what you're saying. I'm like, Oh, I like that idea. I'm steal it. <laughs> now how to rephrase it. Um, uh, and but like seeing the trailers, like I kept thinking, like, is he slipping into a Forrest Gump accent here? Like, it's just too, <laughs> it's just too affected. It's an affected performance of like the least affected person of all time. Yes, I know that it's hard to get over. But when you, yeah. but when I watched the movie the first time, I was consumed by by that. When I've watched it second and third times, you think I think more about how Fred Rogers is making a choice. 
how yeah. he's making a choice to be a certain way. And then his, his thing feels better. Uh, so we were talking about Al Pacino in The Irishman. I, I liked The Irishman a lot. Al Pacino just seemed like he was doing Al Pacino things. <laughs> I can't fault the performance, but it wasn't like, I don't know. I, it, I didn't feel a lot of layers to it. I mean, I felt his like anguish and this kind of burning drive to be this thing that would destroy him in the end. And like his inability to let go of something like a bulldog. Yeah. But it, it's felt like kind of a one dimensional performance. And I, I, I don't know. I was, I wasn't, I can't say I was impressed by it. I would have bumped him out and put uh, Willem Dafoe in for the lighthouse instead, mm. who I thought, I thought <laughs> yeah. was a lot more impressive to me. Yeah. If you're going to swap out an outsized character for an outsized character, that's the one. Yeah. Like he who, did, you know, cause Willem Dafoe like pulls up a real feet and like, it's kind of boring to nominate Willem Dafoe these days, but, <laughs> I guess, yeah. but that he manages to both be this complete caricature without he's got like all the ingredients for a cartoonish caricature and then makes it not cartoonish or a caricature at all it's like yeah oh this is just all those stereotypes are based on this guy that willem dafoe is <laughs> has transformed himself into right a, like he's the genuine article that is a great and everything else is just a shadow of of this guy right yeah people met, met that character and thought oh all lighthouse keepers are like this yeah. <laughs> He's the reason why stereotypes exist. Yeah, right. right? He didn't feel like one at all. It was like a miracle. Exactly. I don't know how he did it. Well, it's like watching the first guy. It's like watching Chaplin do his little, do a shtick in his movie and then, or or I guess watch the first vaudevillian who did it and then watch everyone who did it afterwards and you're like, okay. Except that... Willem Dafoe is doing it after everybody <laughs> exactly, else has seen. Exactly, exactly. And then he can convince you he was the original. Like right. that's... It's amazing. I was really impressed with Willem Dafoe and the Lighthouse. Mm. So would that be your your choice for the award? I would, I would swap. Uh, mm, no. <laughs> okay. I would nominate him in Al Pacino's place, though. Yeah, Pacino. Again, you said it best. I can't fault his performance. The two things I think of when I think of his performance is a. Um, I think the parts that are the most affecting are really the writing, like the moment when he real. Although his best moment in the movie is when he realizes for the first time that the mob could do him in. They wouldn't dare. It's huge and it's yeah. outsized, but it's so affecting because he's, it's dawning on him for the first time. They could kill me. Yeah. Then he won't let himself believe it still. And he won't right. let himself believe it. Right. Uh, I think it's more the, the writing that's affecting there. Plus his performance off as an outsized character. So Pacino could be an outsized performance. That's fine. But it did border on, it did border on reminding me of, of his big boy role in uh, Dick Tracy. <laughs> was, he really treaded on big boy territory there. Maybe well, that was an Oscar winning performance, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was. The, I thought it was, but it's Oscar nominated, I think. Okay. Um, but right. maybe, maybe he'll have a change of heart. Um, uh, yeah, I'd swap him out too. Um, now Pesci. Now Pesci, I thought deserved his nomination he did i was i was really impressed with this performance i thought it was a um i really <laughs> it was a change of pace for pesci right it's like a yeah he's like cast against type almost and i think and he I, had to be con i think marty actually martin's marty like i know him martin scorsese 
from what I heard during a roundtable is that uh, Pesci was surprised that he didn't want him to be his normal outside self. Yeah. And so but he was so great. He's so, he was great. so great. It was uh, a lot like um, what's her face from the Phantom Thread two years ago. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to say yeah. the same kind of thing is like he's just so controlled. Yeah. And he he's giving you nothing on the surface, but you can read all the layers. Yeah, you can read it all. And uh, one of the best moments in the film is after um, is it crazy Joe? Who's the crazy guy who ends up shooting in the in the deli on his birthday. I think so. I don't remember. At the Don, at the, they're at the Don Rickles show. It was and, three hours uh, long. Oh, right, right, right. The rival, um, crazy something. He, you know, he comes over and he makes a scene at the, at the table and yeah. he's got to get him away. And then just like the look, this happens several times yeah. in the Irishman. It's like the greatest moments. The look that De Niro and Pesci exchange where they're having a full fucking conversation. <laughs> In two yeah. looks, and it's, you know exactly what that conversation is. And you know is. exactly what it is. That's good acting. Yeah, like, you know, it really is. That and that. I thought Pesci. I thought Pesci brung it. I thought there was yeah. like a new layer to Pesci I'd never seen before in this movie. Yeah. Now my son has just discovered Home Alone, and he's watched it a lot lately. And dangerous so, territory um, there. Very dangerous territory. So I'm watching Joe Pesci uh, there while thinking about him in The Irishman. And if you think about it, when I, I know we maybe talked about this before, but I mean, Pesci that year was in, after having nothing really of note since uh, Raging Bull. That year, he's got Goodfellas, um, uh, Home Alone, and I think My Cousin Vinny comes along right after yeah. Goodfellas. And yeah, there's like yeah. one other huge, like 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 just uh, iconic movie and iconic perform. Oh, Lethal Weapon too. Right? Oh, right, all in that one area, and you're like, "Holy fuck! How does this? Ha how? How? I mean, it's really amazing. Um, the kind of moment that he had there, and then then we lost him again for a while. Yeah, well, Until everyone got. Now. I got sick of him. It was like too much. <laughs> it's too much at once. Exactly. But now, if he comes back, and you're like, "Oh my!" You know. Yeah, by the time Casino came around, like, oh, it's yeah, it's like Pesci Bo Pesci again. Joe Pesci things, right? I don't need to see him force. Sharon Stone's head in his lap, please. You know, just kind of really, ugh. but like, um, but yeah, it was such a such a, a wonder to see him now. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, one more person talking about Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. We left him at last for a reason. He was yeah. my pick for the award. Yeah, and you know, I I'm ha I'm really glad he won. I I do struggle thinking about it. Going, why did I love that performance so much? I had because, the same feeling. Because weirdly, Brad Pitt in that movie had a kind of... I, I used to think, uh, when I talked about Eastwood as an actor, like or a million, million Dollar Baby, which I really, really loved. Me too. Um, Eastwood in that movie, I started going, he's the most stilted performance, but weirdly, it's also very honest. I mean, it's affecting. He's got that kind of Clint Eastwood cadence, really. You're going to do that. And then yet... It still rings true and is affecting, and I'm like, how? I, it's stilted and layered. I don't know how I did it. And then I look, and then I started seeing clicks of that when they were showing the clips of Brad Pitt. Now you're gonna. That's not my car. That is my this car. And I'm going, huh? Is this the best performance? 
It wasn't but, a great clip. I was sad they chose that one. Yeah, I much rather. I, I much prefer the moment later, which is one of another one of my favorite lines of the year, when he said, "I know your face, and I, you had like a name." He goes, "I am the Angel of Death." No, it was dumber than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that scene is incredible. Yeah, his performance in that scene is just uh, amazing. So yeah, he was very deserving of that award. Uh, now I can't tell you why, but I'm sure if I watch the movie again for the third time, I'll be going, yeah, 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 totally. I was I was struggling with this too, and it's comparing it to, um, well, we're going to get to Joaquin Phoenix. Our listeners don't know that we've already recorded our episode on, on The Joker, which is the next one that will go out after this one. So I'm going to try not to reference back to that. Right. You'll have, you can and get our thoughts on that forward. later. Tease but it forward. On paper... Brad Pitt, uh, or his character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, should be unlikable. <laughs> and yet, Brad Pitt, because he's Brad Pitt, makes him completely likable and makes makes you root for him. Is it the um, Han Solo effect there? That's just, that's just star power, I it's think. Star power. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I don't know. Is it acting? Would we feel the same way about Cliff Booth if it wasn't Brad Pitt? If it was somebody else? I don't know. All I know is I once that movie was over, I immediately wanted another Cliff Booth and <laughs> whatever Leo's character name I was. I wanted to just drive around Rick Dalton. I just wanted to drive around with Brad Pitt. I just wanted another movie with them, like immediately. I, I could take an hour and a half of Jim just driving. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> they should have, I mean, they Which have is a funny because too. my, my um, uh, criticism of Jackie Brown was that there was too much fucking walking. <laughs> but yet, for some reason, I'm willing just to sit with Brad Pitt and drive. Um, I think we covered that in our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did. episode. So, available now on podcast channels everywhere. If it had been my choice of the five nominated, I think I would have given it to Pesci. Okay. My, my choice is Brad Pitt. I was happy with Pitt, but I would Although think I, I would have given it I would have been very happy with Pesci winning. Now, you they, said... They were my top two. You said you would have um, swapped out Pacino for uh, William Defoe. What would have been, been your five nominees for the year if, it had, oh, if you had chose them I all? Didn't, I, didn't, I, I don't know. Well, I then I guess this will be my segment then. because I Do did. your segment. <laughs> the Carnies, my, remember? We don't have the My Siggies. house rules was if I didn't see the movie, I wasn't going to judge for it or against it. Right. So I, I narrowed my field accordingly. So, well, but how would you do it? If, I, if, 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 if awards were mine, if award shows were mine, my five nominees would have been uh, Timothy Chalamet for Little Women. Ah, uh, he was good. Noah Jupe, or Jupe, I don't know how you say his name, for Honey Boy. I haven't seen that. Shia LaBeouf for Honey Boy. Mm. Wait, they're both uh, supporting? Well, I kind of. I, I bet they might do them differently. Shia is really the supporting actor, though he's kind of the draw of the movie. Noah Jupe plays his son... Or place place basically plays Shia as a young boy, yeah. and then uh, but his older self is played by Lucas Hedges. So uh, you got the lead character split between two. So if you okay. gave so I when that happens, I say he's supporting. Okay, they all support each other. Exactly, but that may not necessarily be. That's my interpretation of how I do it. Like I thought, hey, it's your I, award. I thought Jeffrey Rush should have been in the supporting actor ca uh, category for Shine. Because that role was played by three people, and he just came in at the end. Mm. So, <laughs> and would we have felt as strongly about his performance 
if the guy before him hadn't been so good. You know. Anyway, we we have taken a shine to him. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah exactly. He's still great. He's great. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying. Um, so Timmy Chalamet, Noah Juby, Shia LaBeouf, Joe Pesci, and Brad Pitt. Those would be my selections for the year, and I would have given it to Pesci. Cool. Well, too bad you're not in charge <laughs> of that. All uh, right. I'm happy because my guy won. Okay, on to Mindy Kaling coming out. Introduced by Beanie catch- Feldstein of Booksmart, another great movie. I did, okay, that's in my top three of 2019 movies I wanted to see but did not, mm. along with Uncut Gems and Us. I, those are all good movies. Are, see them all. Those are three I didn't get to, and I saw a lot of great movies. So 2019, slow it down. Spread those some of those out <laughs> into 2020 so I can catch up. Okay, yeah, Mindy Kaling not comes as out in a, in a mango, a lovely mango-colored asymmetrical gown to introduce the animated features. Of these, I've only seen one. I don't think I've seen. Oh, Toy Story. Yeah, I just saw one. Toy Story. Toy Story Four. I want to see all the others. My kids uh, had seen Claws. I said, "Should I see Claws? Should I make sure to see Claws before the Oscars?" And they were like, "It's nothing special." So I didn't. It is hand drawn, which is nice. It doesn't even look hand drawn. No, it doesn't. Looks like one of those Flash (laughs) animated. uh, Do they still do that? Do you hear that world? I mean, I guess that's really good. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I've heard good things about it, but I, I went with my time being a, an issue. I, right. I followed my son's recommendation. I loved Toy Story 4. I thought it was great. Me too. You'll see where it falls on my list at the end of the show. Oh, okay, <laughs> good. Um, I'm going to say this now, and then we can talk more about it later. But when uh, Next Picture Show podcast... They like did a call on Twitter for uh, movie pairings. They're like, we're going to do the ones our listeners choose. My suggestion was Toy Story 4 and Raising Arizona. Ooh. Since they're both wow. comedies uh, and road trips. Well, not road trips, sorry. But like uh, madcap yeah. adventure comedies that are all about parental anxiety. Yeah, exactly. They didn't choose it. Oh, well. We could do it, but we're not going to do We don't do the pairing thing. That's their thing. Two things really got me about Toy Story 4, which, of course, I cried the whole way through, uh, is, one, I expected Toy Story 4 to be a pointless exercise. Like, why did this need to be? Why did this exist? It shouldn't even, you know, the fact that it wasn't and was actually great is was phenomenal. The second thing was, was that if you don't consider that, the fact that it overcame like expectations, it's still freaking great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it really is. It, it really hilarious. is. It was. We're gonna, okay, we'll talk about all the things. We'll... Okay. My only well, yeah. My only criticism of it is that for a finale for the series, I would have liked it to have been more Woody and Buzz centric, but can, it was really about Woody. Buzz was sidelined. I was okay yeah. with that though. Yeah, I was okay with it because. In the first movie, it's really a, it's really more about Woody too. You know, it's yeah. really about him accepting uh, change. If you look at it from that perspective, it, it's and plus it felt so fitting. It, also, I, I my son watched it. Who has been? I've been so excited to show him the, the Toy Story movies. The thing that I really um, loved, and that I was so impressed with both him and the movie, 
was that when Woody has his hands on the box at the beginning, when Bo Peep is put in the box and it's under the car, and he's uh-huh. got his hands on the box, and he's making the decision of whether to go with her or stay. Yeah. And it's so hard. I'm like bawling. That's good drama. And he takes his hands off the box lid. At the end of the movie, when he's t- when Bo Peep and everyone has jumped over the side of this edge, and and Woody's got the choice again to stay or go, and he looks mm-hmm. down at his hands on the rail, my son goes, it's just like the box. <sighs> and I was like, like yes! <laughs> my son is a moviegoer! <laughs> he knows film language! And also impressed that they did the movie in a way that a nine a nine year old boy could figure that out, you know. Yeah. So Good I was him. really That's really awesome. impressive. I was also fine with them sidelining Buzz Lightyear because it made room for Duke Kaboom, who was my favorite, <laughs> my favorite Duke addition Kaboom. to the cast. Yeah. <laughs> and Key and Peele. It's just nice. That, to have they were them great anywhere. too, but but Duke, Duke Kaboom, Kaboom was, yeah, he made his way into my heart. <laughs> That goofball. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess so we covered Toy Story 4. We did. Uh, we should just say how awesome the creepy parts were, too, and they were great. I they were the OGs. I was worried about showing it the next because of those ventriloquist dummies who were scary yeah. as fuck. <laughs> oh, they were, the design was so well, and like just their proportions being off was terrifying. And, and their, shoot, I can't remember the name of the doll who was their leader. I don't but remember. What either. a fantastic character that was. Yeah. And what a, what a fantastic handling of her storyline. I just, just it's so it's beyond yeah. exceptional. It was written like a great supervillain character. But then one you can one you can feel for and not punish but rather make have grow yeah and grow in a positive way i was right. so like the yeah. reverse joker trajectory yes exactly <laughs> i mean i mean you start out like i said in the joker upcoming joker episode you got the ed harris character from the rock i completely lo- uh, 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 understand where he's coming from it's his actions i don't that make him a villain right but i can relate to him on why he's doing it same thing with her but then instead of, I, I forget what happens to him in The Rock. I assume he dies in some Michael Bay fashion. But um, uh, instead of that happening to her uh, and just being a tragic villain, she gets to have a, um, a happy ending by giving herself over to... Uh, give, it's through giving up her goal that she re- achieves it. I was really, you know, because we always said the dip, the difference between a hero and a villain is that the villain will not give up his um, goal or ambition, and the hero does, but the hero is rewarded for doing so, and the villain will usually fall in one way or another because he can't, because he clings to he clings his to prize it. as he plummets. But she, the volcano. she gets to give that up, which I think is incredible. So, anywho. Nice. Uh, so, it kind of resonates with uh, Pain and Glory a little bit. Well, we'll see if we get there. A little okay. bit. All right. 
Then Mindy Kaling takes us into animated short. I did not see any of these. Can't see any, can't comment. But Hair love looks cool. Hair activism. Nice speech. I yes, like very nice speech. Also, uh, by the way, Janelle Monae calls up calls out a lot of the fact, you know, we're here to celebrate mm-hmm. women who made movies this year, calling out the fact that, pointedly about the directors specifically, but it was very nice to see, in contrast to previous years where they were like saying, um, this is the year of the woman, and then all the awards were won by men pretty much. This year, yeah. I'd say the majority of the people on stage this year were women huh. winning. I mean, the not produ- the top, not the big ones, but not not necessarily the yeah. big ones. But I mean, it was nice to see. I mean, there was uh, I think uh, all the shorts were had had a female director or or co director. The production design, the uh, it was just documentary. It was very. It, it was nice just to see. Um, I don't know. It was nice to just not to see all one type of person up there. <laughs> it was nice. No, it was good. Um, okay, next someone named Josh Gag. Got Josh right? Gad, G-A-D. G-A-D. Mm-hmm. Uh, he introduces one of the songs, but we're going to talk about all those performances when we get to the award of that category so we don't repeat ourselves like he, we have in episodes past he when discussing had, that one. I came, wrote down what I thought were the five best jokes of the night. Okay. He had my fifth best joke of the night. Ooh, yeah. What is it? If my phone will boot up. <laughs> I wrote it in my phone. <laughs> It was that's Timing why it's fit comedy. because I can't remember it. No, it, well, I, I I liked when he said uh, that. Um, <laughs> I did Mazel's name is pronounced exactly as it's spelled. Oh yeah, yes. That was that was well put. Um, he had oh uh, the yeah I thought the fifth best joke of the night was when he said that Canadian Elsa is basically the same but with healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was that was a, he had a lot of political jabs in there, um, but that that was uh, that was my favorite. But okay, okay, nice. We'll talk about songs later. Keanu Reeves and Diane Keaton. Yes. What'd you think of their pairing here? Um, I could work their way through their patter. There was uh, they were working their way through their patter. I, yeah. I know what they're doing. I'm not sure it landed. I, I couldn't tell if it was um, scripted that Diane Keaton was purposely trying to make awkward and uncomfortable or if she just went totally off the off book. Yeah. So I'm going to quote Seymour here, the, the lovely uh, Seymour, Seymour Lamar, Lamar, my bride. I'm going to do my impression of her mm-hmm. because her is the way she said it. She says, are you going to say something about Diane Keaton's bullshit outfit? <laughs> if menswear is your thing you go to the Oscars you wear a tux if you have questions go ask Janelle Monet. <laughs> layers of plaid wool bullshit oh I love Seymour Lamar that was not her funniest remark of the night I oh, oh I can't we'll, we'll get back to Seymour's take I am very very happy to hear that there'll be more Seymour uh, that's awesome Okay, best original screenplay. Ooh, ooh, or, ooh. as we have uh, said in the past, most original movie. 
it's what a, this category this, ends up being. Right? It seems to be that the movie that wins Best Picture should also always win Best Screenplay, right? You would think, but this is, I mean, I, I mean, it just to be to well, be should a, they or should they divide the should they spread the love? What well, I think, think they should spread the. Basically, that's what the they you're spreading the love, but. Uh, and also letting the writer get an award as opposed to just the producer. But what I'm just saying is, is that for a movie to be great, the screenplay has to be great. I mean, there are movies that are like, okay, the screenplay's not great, but they made a lot of really great things out of it. But that's not just as the common. chemistry. The cast is what makes it work, or yeah, uh, but honestly, thrilling action or something. Something. Let's see. But this was what? a very, very tricky category. Uh, only one of them do I think really shouldn't be in there. Um, okay, run us down the nominees. The nominees are Ryan Johnson for Knives Out, Sam Mendes and Christy Wilson Car uh, Carnes for 1917, Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and uh, Pong Jun Ho and Han Jin Wong for Parasite. So only one, only one of those I think really shouldn't be there. Can you guess which one that is? I'm going to say it's the same one, I think, which is 1917. That's correct. The yeah. movie in which... <sighs> Should we run down quickly the problems with the script in 1917? <laughs> okay, um, yeah. I'm going to start off. You start off. They find a bucket of milk. He, finds his, he fills his canteen with milk. He later encounters a baby. He says, oh... You have to feed your baby. Here, let me give you all my beans. Let me give you my chocolate bars. Let me give you my rations. And the mother says, he can't eat those. Why not? He needs milk. Milk? Milk. Milk. Milk? Wait. Milk. That sounds familiar. Where have I seen milk? Oh, wait. I have a canteen full of milk. Babies drink milk, of course, yes. Take my milk during this 30-minute rest stop during my <laughs> critical mission that's going to save thousands of lives when I've just lost I don't know how many hours when I blacked out <laughs> on the stairs because when I was facing a sniper who was trapped in the second story of a building, I forgot that I was given hand grenades at the beginning <laughs> of this movie. so many problems with it I forgot that they did that part of it that he was given hand grenades but he remembered the unpasteurized milk check off hand grenades check off hand grenades I think someone's turning over an appreciation in their grave for what you just said <laughs> okay my hot take on this is is movie's not bad it's nothing special but not because of a lack of trying to be special. <laughs> I, think it, <laughs> I think it's nothing special because it's trying so hard. Uh, I mean, the, the, uh, Sam Mendes, and I know we're talking about screenplay, but Sam Mendes said that on the screenplay it says, written on it, either in the first page or the cover, is that this movie was written and intended to be shot in one take. Yeah. That's right? True. And that you wouldn't know it the way they wrote it. <laughs> and the one shot, and I hate to call it a gimmick, but that's what it—that's the only thing it comes off as. Um, yeah. Does the opposite of its intended "you are there" immediacy for me. Um, instead, it gives it a remove that 
from its characters that take you out of any sort of intimacy or texture of the experience of being there. And then instead regulates you to the experience of looking at like strangers on the sidewalk and wondering what they're thinking about. I shouldn't have to wonder what they're thinking about. The film should be close enough to them to that they can just telegraph it like Pesci and De Niro could, right? Yeah. That's Do not the camera angles. Yeah, exactly. It shows you how much more intimate, then, how much, how much the power of you are there can be done through like choice of editing and yeah. <laughs> angles and, and and only a couple of times that I mean Deacon's yeah Deacon's a master and when you look at the production of actually they had to construct a couple of miles of set. For them to actually walk through, they didn't jump locations during the uh, the hidden edits. They actually had to yeah. build the whole journey. That's pretty impressive. But there wasn't a whole lot of I thought, despite the physical feat, there wasn't a whole lot of really great imagery that I remember. And, and I remember you've always been a big proponent of the means don't justify the ends, right? Right. Exactly. So like. Um, but that's not to say that there weren't some wonderful moments in the movie and some beautiful lines. I mean, the, the most chilling um, and affecting line to me was after a major loss, which I did not expect. Um, Schofield encounters Mark Strong as a commanding officer of another battalion. And it just so happens to be, you know, right at his lowest moment. And when he finds out that he has orders from a general to stop an attack, he gives Schofield a piece of advice. Because when you tell the commander, make sure they're witnesses. Schofield replies, but these are these are orders from the general. And then Mark Strong replies, yes, but some men just want the fight. And and that, I thought, put up a good expectation of dread for the movie. Yeah. And it, it raises the stakes. It raises the stakes, as uh -huh. well as makes an excellent commentary about fear in our current time. And so like so now I'm thinking when we get the, like he's got to get there, but then we gotta wonder if the guy's even gonna listen. Uh-huh. And, and what so, happens when he gets there and he delivers he the orders? <laughs> <laughs> he protests, as one would if someone ran in and said, stop! He protests for about 15 short seconds. Right. Like, it's, there's no... Which should, which should be a, a moment of, of hope that humanity is good. Like, you, you're wondering the whole time, will humanity be good to enough to stop their own bravado and do what's right? Because if you think about it, I guess I, we've been, we've kind of chatted briefly about 1917, about whether or not it has anything new to say about war, which didn't feel like it. But maybe it's a war movie where they actually are going to try to stop an attack. Which is, should say yeah. something. I mean, maybe that's what has gotten everybody excited about the thing. Now, at the end of the movie, there's a title card where it acknowledges that this movie is dedicated to like Sam Mendy's father or grandfather? Grandfather, uh, right? Grandfather. And the Who, stories he told us. The stories yeah. he told us, which should have had the effect on me that this makes this all the more reverent. I should have more reverence for this because, you know, they're based on somebody's real experiences coming home and in honoring that. But instead, it made me go, then why didn't this have any... Why wasn't this more affecting? <laughs> why didn't this have something more to say? You know, it, to me, it made it feel even cheaper because it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a fine, passable piece of entertainment, but it just... It doesn't seem for me to have the effect that it so desperately wants to have. 
and has put so much effort into getting. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm I, uh, I I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. I think I think it's well said. So, what would you nominate in its place? Oh, uh, mine would be uh, Marriage Story, Parasite, Under the Silver Lake. For That's a 2018 movie. No, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. It was. It, we we, we no. discussed this. It, it we've it's dis- official release date on IMDb. You're saying because it's not. It was not released in the United States until spring of 2019. It was released for really? two days. That's right. It it was supposed to come out in 2018, and it did some festivals in 2018, but it did not have an official release. It didn't even have a Christmas release. I'm pretty confident about that. It'll say 2018 because it played at festivals and it played everywhere else, uh, played in places, but it did not have an official U.S. release until spring of, of 2019. And that's so, what they count for the Academy. Oh, this this changes everything. Yeah, I thought I thought I made this clear on our episode. Ah, but I messed it up. Oh, now I got to redo all my lists. Oh, I wasn't even considering under the Silver Lake. Don't worry, I'll consider it for you. Okay, we'll put a little asterisk that uh, on yours. Um, anyway, so back to that. You'd be Marriage Story, Parasite, Under the Silver Lake, Lake Ford v Ferrari, and Knives Out. That would be my original screenplay choices. So I agree with you on Ford v. Ferrari. I was very impressed with the screenplay. I especially loved... There's a lot I liked about Ford v. Ferrari. There's a lot I liked about Ford v. Ferrari. What I think I was really impressed with in terms of the writing was how you have the climax where he defeats the Ferrari driver. He outraces Mm -hmm. him. He forces him to blow his engine. It's almost an anti-climax because the race isn't over. Right. And then it managed to hit two more climaxes. He's reached his goal. <laughs> right. And the movie finds two yeah. more climaxes, two more peaks after mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. Because ultimate, accomplished. ultimately, it's, I mean, him winning the race isn't the movie's point for being. If they had a thing where, like, that didn't matter, it'd feel kind of empty. But because it did matter. So they had that complete. And then, yeah, they're able to go on to talk more about what the movie's actually about. Um uh, criticism for this movie in terms of like, I read somewhere that I think I hated this one article I read about the, the, the honest take that an anonymous person in the industry has on these nominations. And they said, Ford v. Ferrari gets nominated because it goes vroom, vroom. And that's all it, it is. It goes vroom, vroom, and I'm really, like, really good. Yeah, it, it does. But honestly, I, I don't give a shit about racing. And I find racing movies usually very boring. Yeah. And um, like another one of my favorite movies of all time, Moneyball, I don't care about professional baseball, but it boils down to a movie about somebody trying to do something and being told they can't do it that way and doing it anyway and succeeding. And that's what's so moving about that. It doesn't matter yeah. what field it's in. I, you know, and, and, and same thing with Ford v. Ferrari. Um, maybe Ford v. Ferrari touched me a little bit more deeply because I had... I feel like I have similar issues at work, uh, at my at my job. I was the only person in the theater. I think it affected everyone in the theater, but I actually literally stood up out of my chair and applauded and wooed, literally, <laughs> in the scene when um, Shelby is brought into Henry Ford's office after losing Le Mans with a different driver. Ah, uh, yeah, it's and, a great scene. And it's a fantastic scene. 
And when he said, you know, so tell me why I shouldn't follow, fire you right now. And then after some hymns of hoes, he said, look, uh, you know, we've, I think we got him right where we want him. And, you know, he's seen how fast we can go, even with the wrong driver, even with the committees, even with the, you know, all this stuff. And you got, I'd say we got him right where we want him. Because he, Olenzo sitting there in uh, Italy right now, scared to death that sometime you're going to be smart enough to trust me. <laughs> yeah. So you're welcome. That I thought l- that performance, I was, I wondered if he could be in the, the best supporting actor mix. I, I really liked, uh, uh, what's his face? <laughs> Are you talking about Damon or Tracy Letts? Damon. I, yeah. yeah. Damon's really great. I don't know why I'm not pushing for him as best actor in this because he's fantastic in it. Well, he's a, he would be supporting Christian Bale's the lead. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, it's definitely a two-hander, but I mean, it begins with Shelby and ends with Shelby. Yeah, I think I think Damon's the lead. I think it's his mm. movie. I don't know. The um, Christian Bale's character is the one that has to change during the course of the movie. True, that is true. That is true, but um, that is very true. I'll have to ponder on that for a bit. But uh, I, I read some reviews somewhere that said that the movie should really be renamed. The movie, the title is kind of a, a, a misnomer. Uh, it should be named Ford v. Freelancers. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's that's right, because that's what this movie is about. This movie is about the tragedy of, of, of capitalism being like, like, like they put it out perfectly, and I assume that this is how it worked in real life, that Enzo sought... Per- I love John Bernthal as Lee Iacocca. I wanted more of him in the end. Because when, when, he's, when he stood there and he goes, Finzo Ferrari spit, spent his fortune um, chasing perfection, and he achieved it, and now yeah. he's broke. And so the fact that a, a company can't help following the rules it thinks is going to be the most profitable, even if it won't be, but it just can't help itself. And, um, and it can't understand, it can't trust the people who know what they're doing and knowing what they're talking about um, to take risks. They just can't do it. Yeah, they can't just win the race. They have to compromise right. everything they're trying to do for a stupid photo finish. Right. And yeah. And the fact that, that he, he changes to become the team player and then is punished for it. Yeah. That's hard. That was a heartbreaking it, moment. It's just, a, it's so hard. And I, I presume that's how the race actually ended up. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that part's right. No, I did some reading up on it. Um, yeah. Which is, I, I think this would probably be in the, I'm assuming this would be in the best uh, adapted screenplay because there's so much source material that... Yeah, you th- I, I would think that too. I think when you're basing something on somebody's life, it would be an adapted thing. But I've rarely... I've always seen that put in an original when they talk about real-life events. Like, was... like Green Book was an original, right? Green Book was an original screenplay. It wasn't an adapted. Yeah, but there's been, like, there's been so many books and articles about this story. Like, I don't think... You know, that guy didn't have the chauffeur. Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> uh, the chauffeur didn't have a book already out about I don't, him. You I know? don't believe this was based on any particular article like like A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was. Uh, I'm um, trying to think of another example. Well, we'll see. I uh, I agree with you. I would have I given a nomination to Ford v. Ferrari, yeah. whichever 
category would end up in. Now, I, I recently, I haven't finished it because I haven't had a lot of time, but I recently started watching Knives Out again. And God damn if that's not a, the most pleasurable screenplay. <laughs> a pleasurable movie. It is so freaking good. It's very well constructed and yeah. a lot of fun. Especially on a rewatch when you're like, oh my God, they're giving, you know, how, you know, maybe some people did see these little tells that they gave, but like in the, when they're laying, you're just so surprised they're laying everything out early that they're actually laying out even more early. That if you just listen yeah. to what they're saying, he's telling you exactly even more what happened. Uh, it's, it's incredible. The, I, I had to replay the, the, there's a conversation that, Benoit Blanc, who Daniel Craig's fucking amazing in this movie. If you could, I always, I want to know if he was just allowed to pick whatever funny accent you want to do. From what I understand, Ryan Johnson in a in, uh, in an interview said that that when they started rolling, he started he was started doing the accent, and Ryan Johnson was going, "Is this too much? Should I stop him?" And then she just went, "He went, okay, go, let's let's go with it." And he said, then later I became okay with it, and I loved it. And I was the same way. At first I was like, I think the problem was is that as well costumed as the movie is, and I think it deserved a nomination there, um, my only real problem with the movie is that Daniel Craig looks just like James Bond. Yeah. And, and Can he hear, not look like James Bond, though? Well, he's dressed like James Bond. Yeah. And, and with the exception of the glasses every now and again, he's dressed like James Bond. His haircut is James Bond. Everything when he was in Logan Lucky, he had bleached blonde hair and he I could see him as different and thought he was really hilarious in that movie. He's hilarious here too, but the fact that he's got this froghorn leghorn draw, but then doesn't look anything different, it looks like James Bond's doing a funny voice. <laughs> like Maybe that's why it worked though, because I was maybe. surprised. When I saw, you know, I expected him to have the English accent, and then when my presence <laughs> is going to be purely ornamental. Yeah, there's a there's a great scene where uh, Marta goes out onto the porch at night, and Benoit Blanc is out there smoking mm -hmm. in the dark, and they have a conversation about him, her wanting him wanting her to be his confidant. The lighting on that scene was great. Yeah, it was because yeah. And he, he's got, I love the, I had to watch the scene several times. I love it. He says, I expect the terminus of gravity's rainbow. Gravity's rainbow? It's a novel. Oh, I, I, know. I, I haven't read it. Uh, neither have I. Nobody has. The point is, but I, <laughs> but I like the title. <laughs> Nobody has. It's so funny. Nobody's read that. Uh, but I like the title. It suggests, he talks about what the title suggests, the arc of nature forcing a trajectory's arc down to earth where I can find it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, it's such a great, well-written, deliciously written scene, as is all of it. One of my favorite lines of the year is when everyone finds out that Marta's getting everything and Chris Evans driving away from the yelling family and yelling, this might be the best thing to happen to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a cheer moment. Even despite <laughs> what we know of him and what we come to find out, it's such a cheer moment. Oh. Is it unfair for me to uh, give demerits to the script because I figured the mystery out ahead of time? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I started to give demerits to it because I felt like once Marta got in the car with Ransom, that we had a whole cast of really great characters 
and the rest of the movie was the Marta and Ransom show. Hmm. Yeah. And I thought I kind of had an expectation that um, that we were going to get this big ensemble kind of feel for the whole movie, and we and that's not what it was. And also yeah. that that Ransom was so clearly being set up as the red herring that and the obvious choice for how this happened yeah. and then turns out to be that there's a little deflation there but at the same time you um the whole movie upends the genres while also fulfilling those pleasures so i got i i took away my demerits but it's completely fair to give the demerits to it for yeah. figuring it out early the only thing i had wrong is i thought he had switched the labels instead of switching the fluids but no he did switch the labels didn't he no he switched the fluids oh okay but it's the same effect doesn't it's the same matter. effect it's but the same effect i was like oh ransom switched the, the labels <laughs> the only question was whether uh harlan thrombley was in on it the oh is it plumber character when he when he uh, uh, when he gets in when Marta realizes that she's well wrongly realizes that she's uh, injected him with too much morphine. Yeah, I love the I love that he as the, the the ever the writer starts going. Oh, that's a good way to kill somebody if you just do this <laughs> yeah. and such. Right, and and I thought that was that was fantastic. But then i had forgot i was so distracted in the moment the first time i saw it by that such wonderful character moment it it kept me from realizing what harlan was just saying moments earlier was that ransom was so much like him he thinks just like me yeah you know he's so much like me in every way and then you go you can't tell the difference between a real knife and a stage knife right it's part of the same speech. Right? Yeah, it's part of the same speech. And then, and then, I'll, and then you sit there and you go, "If he thought that was a great way to kill somebody, Ransom would too. <laughs> he thinks the same way as he does, you know." Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was wondering if this was uh, Thrombley planned to kill himself anyway, and so he wanted to orchestrate this thing and had Ransom doing it with him. I thought maybe oh. that was. That was like going to be the final surprise. Well, you do kind of wonder, like, yeah, you do kind of wonder why he told anybody before that he, why he told Ransom that he was being cut out, that everyone was being cut out of the will before, um, before he died. Because if, if he, I don't know, just kind of seems like, like that's just inviting. <laughs> Someone, I don't know. Well, see, yeah. I never, what's a will reading like? Imagine a community theater production of a tax return. <laughs> yeah, there's something. <laughs> and Frank Oz, what a great, what a great to yeah. see Frank Oz. Oh, uh, the whole the cast was great. Yeah, whole, cast is fantastic. Beautiful line reading of uh, Michael Shannon. Uh, he had so many great lines and somebody, so I think Chris uh, Evans had said something about how Shannon could come up with the, the crazy things he would come up to say that, that would just tickle everybody and send everyone else down the way. And I would imagine when they, that one of those lines that I'm assuming he came up with, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's in the script was when Chris Evans is telling everybody to eat shit 
<laughs> and then uh, uh, Daniel Craig leads Marta out of the room. And as he's leaving out of the room, you hear Michael Shannon yell, I am not eating one iota of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but his, his, when, uh, when they read the will that it's all going to Marta, Michael Shannon's response is just so perfect. Is uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Oh, yeah. He's having a great year. Yeah, tell me about it. And Jamie Lee Curtis, she's so good. Tony Collette is so good. And and, and Ana de Armas, I don't know how to say her name, but who played Marta, is exceptionally good in this, too. Joy. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie so. Lee Curtis used to be in more comedies. We need we need more of that. We do need more of that. Man. There's that great cut that I know that if I show this to my wife, uh, she's going to take too good too much pleasure in this moment when Jamie Lee Curtis is saying uh, you're not going to bait me into talking shit you think you're going to bait me into talking shit about my family in front of you I'm not going to sit there and let you into cuts mid-sentence of Don Johnson going oh he was at him all the time <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a like these things are so well done uh, that I, I hate not pushing it for best screenplay but uh Man, 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 man. Um, it, it's a pleasure engine, yeah. that movie. Yeah, and, it was really and, great. And I'm not sure what I would give it to. Um, I, I really don't. Uh, it's a, really a toss-up between all four of those, five of those. Maybe Marriage Story might be the winner for me. <sighs> Marriage Story was know. great. Mine is Parasite, though, for original yeah. original screenplay. I thought I thought the, the real genius of Parasite was in the script and in the, the performances and in the cast. Yeah. Um, so I, I give it to Parasite for me. Now, with the Under the Silver Lake option, what would you do? Uh, <laughs> such, I, I love it, and it like speaks really well to me. I don't expect it to yeah. anyone else to have that same reaction to it, and it's kind of a mess. So I don't know. For me, it, it has a special place in my heart. I don't know if it needs to be in the Oscar category. So, someone in my office who I just met, uh, was talking about It Follows. And so I, yeah. I, I jumped in on that conversation and then recommended to her to see Under the Silver Lake. And then I walked away going, I shouldn't have had that be my first <laughs> recommendation to somebody. That was a oh. mistake. <laughs> yeah. 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 My feelings about Under the Silver Lake are uh, very similar to The Lighthouse, where a very similar reaction. Like, oh, this movie is like speaking directly into a part of my brain and I'm getting it. I loved the lighthouse. I don't expect anyone else to like this movie, right? Like, like you know, <laughs> right, 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 right. And that's, but that's great film. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do one more before we take a break. How okay. about adapted screenplay? All right. So this one is Richard Jewell. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm reading the wrong one. This one. Oh wait, is... this was presented. Sorry, I'm sorry. To interrupt. Uh, adapted screenplay presented by Timothy Chalamet and Natalie Portman. Yeah, Natalie Portman not wearing her cape that had all the names of the women who weren't nominated. Okay. That she wore, I think, earlier in the evening. This was my first time watching the the first hour uh, and some of the red carpet of the Oscars with the, the boys. Mm-hmm. And they did not recognize her as either Amidala or Dr. Jane Foster. Hmm. They were a little bit shocked, though, when Seymour complained that her boobs were too low. (laughs) 
having been raised not to judge other people's bodies, they yeah, they were shocked. They kind of took an affront Ooh, to too low. Seymour being like, well, they need to be higher. I they need I, to push those things up. I always have mixed feelings when I see someone wearing a dress that's designed to be completely seen through to the bodysuit they're wearing underneath. Yeah. I have mixed feelings uh, yeah. about that. And it's yeah, like, so going, are, you, had one of those. It's like, are you going swimming later? Because that's what <laughs> it looks like. It's like you just, it looks like the, the sarong you wear to the pool. Um, but uh, on that uh, costume note, this was the one time during the evening that I had a, a negative reaction to someone's outfit to an actor I like. Timothy Chalamet comes out. Is, ah. that, is that a track suit you're wearing? <laughs> It was kind of like a Hugh Hefner pajama suit or yeah, something. Yeah, at first I thought he's got one of those David Byrne oversized suits on. And then I noticed there's a zipper. He's a zippered thing up the front with the high, collar, with the high uh, coat collar. And I'm like, <laughs> I think I said to myself, going somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did we catch you at a bad time? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, not like like Although like he was bejeweled. He had yes, uh, yes, yes. If you're uh, if, what if do you call it a brooch, yeah, which made it look like a presidential seal, which made it even weirder. So <laughs> I just kept thinking. I, I I was like, I, I I know you want to make a statement, I, I, and the statement looks like is I, I, I gotta get in my steps. <laughs> 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 I gotta go. I'm not taking off my coat and staying a while. Um. But yeah, so yeah, that was an error. Anyway, so adaptive screenplay, very surprising, not bad. I was okay. The 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 uh, <laughs> the um, nominees are The Irishman, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, and The Two Popes. Uh, with the exception of Joker, uh, they're all warranted. Although I would probably take out The Irishman. If I had my druthers. Uh, yeah, I would too. Um, but Cut that shit down. Exactly. Um, but when Taika Waititi won for Jojo Rabbit, I was genuinely surprised and happy. But I think we all know who that should have went to. Greta Gerwig. Absolutely. There's, yeah. Like the fact that the fact that she was that was a snub. For certain, for director, no, no doubt about it. Um, and I have the person I would take out for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that was a snub. The fact that she didn't get best screenplay, not just because she's owed, but because it was the best screenplay. It was a great screenplay. It, it was inventive. It yeah. was. It reinvented the source material. It made it fresh. Not that I'd ever seen any other adaptation of. Yeah. Um, Little Women, so I'm yeah. kind of trading on other people's reactions, including Seymour's. But uh, it was it was yeah. wonderful. I mean, it was just so the structure was so smart yeah. and smart. I'm, I'm, we're gonna go on. I'm gonna go yeah. on and on about Little Women. So yeah, you, we'll, you talk. We'll, we'll go on. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna sit here and be mad because yeah, it should. Uh, no disrespect to Taika Waititi. He certainly deserved uh, an award, that award. I'm glad he's got that attention but that was I, i'm sorry but everybody know that beyonce had the best uh, i'm gonna totally kanye west this it was greta it was greta it's greta it just is 
So it was uh, what she did with that ending alone. Oh my god! But you don't yeah. even have to get to the ending before. Yeah, before you already know this is a masterpiece. Before the brilliance yeah. of that uh, that screenplay is evident. Okay. Yeah. Anything you would put in this place? In in the place of other? Uh, who would you nominate? In the, I no, I'm. I don't really. The other movies I loved. I don't even know what other adapted screenplay I could put in here, to be honest. So no, I'm going to sit pat with this with this yeah. grouping. I although there's probably a couple others that I'm not thinking about right now, but I would put t- I would swap out um, uh, Irishman and Joker for Loose, and mm. which was based on a play. Uh, and uh, until recently, I, I wasn't going to, but it's just it's so stuck with me. Is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I'd put that in there. Okay, cool. I remember very well the Esquire profile, the uh, the lead, where it opens with the reporter in the locker room with Mr. Rogers getting undressed for swimming, and the last sentence of the opening paragraph was, uh, "And Mr. Rogers has no clothes on." <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? You see Mr. Rogers swimming, but that's there's no locker room scene. You don't get to see him get naked. Nope. You see him in a swimsuit. Interesting choice. But Bold, bold choice. <laughs> I really I mean, want to. I really want to read that. Getting undressed article. is all of us. Our first impression of Mister Rogers. <laughs> yeah. Okay, oh, that's true. I didn't. Here? I didn't even get your joke. Oh, <laughs> now I got it. <laughs> yes. So what if what if he's singing "It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood" and just kept going? Oh, Lord. Mercy. Mercy. <laughs> I'm uh, going to go let you uh, check out some visual reference materials. <laughs> well, I grab myself a bite to eat because we have run into lunchtime. All right. Eastern time zone. Okay. We'll be right back after lunch. With what's coming up next? Oh, yes. What, what Live else? action short, which we haven't We're seen. not doing... <laughs> <laughs> then production design. Production Live design. Action. Coming up next. Got a lot to say about Live that. action short and production design. On You Watched It Wrong, the 2019 Oscars. Or is this the 2020 Oscars? I hate that. It's the I 2019 it's... because it's the 2019 movies. You go to the 2020 Oscars, you think you're going to see the movies that came out in 2020. You're not. It's oh, the 2019 right Oscars. We're like more than 10% into 2020. It's the Oscars that happened on 20, 2020. About the the 2020 Oscars, Oscars for the 2019 uh, movie season. See, that's a mouthful. It is. You named it wrong. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. <laughs>